Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours mm-hmm. truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina's McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media every Monday and Friday. Our podcast version will drop every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, the audio version drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. We are available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, including here on YouTube, at War on Anchor. Once again, at W-A-R-R. Sorry, War War Media, I should say. Scratch, scratch that from the record. You can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Subscribe, subscribe, yes. subscribe. Yes, that's a good friend George Altman would say. <laughs> and we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, let's get started with baseball. Uh, one team had fun over the weekend while another team uh, not so much. I'll leave it up to you, Lakina, which piece of news will you want to start off with, the good or the bad? Let's start with the good stuff first. The Cubs took two out of three from the NL Central Division leading Cardinals, including the Sunday Nighter, which was you know, the Sunday Night Baseball matchup game of the week. You know, Javi Bot is his big two-run shot in the 10th inning to help solidify their win against against the Cardinals, the Cubs, and, and look, I think they, you could probably say they probably could have swept the, the series, you know, but Javier, but Yadier Molina, I should say, you know, had other ideas in the eighth inning home run. That was a go-ahead home run on Saturday. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. like the opportunity to slip away, but, you know, it seems like things are starting to mesh a little bit for the Cubs. I mean, the pitching, the timely, the timely uh, hitting, you know, came out when they had to, you know, Javier Baez is home, two-run home run, obviously. Also, too, their middle relief. I never thought I would say that this, you know, in the season because you know, they were just sticking up the place. But, you know, they've only given up one run in their, their last, you know, eight games. And I, I look, mm-hmm. I, I think, look, they're right there in the division. The Cardinals aren't running away from the division. I think, look, you know, they've had some injuries. Guys are starting to come back. I, I Look, I think if you're a Coast Bay guy, they're feeling pretty good where your team is. Like, yeah, you're probably confused. You probably don't know what to think. You know, is this team, our, our, our good friend Jordan, Burf, Jordan Burfield from WGN Rio and ESPN did a, a poll once, you know, after this recording. You know, is this team really good? Yes, maybe. No, the maybes we're leading right now as of this recording. So, because I think, I don't think Cubs fans mm-hmm. know what to think about their team right now. But considering where they were early in the season, just, you know, just, you know, being total trash and they're pitching, they're hitting, they weren't hitting, and the middle relief, which is terrible. But then things are starting to mesh a little bit and guys are starting to come back from injuries. So I don't know. What do you think, Sid? Uh, I, as I said early in the season, I accepted for what this Cubs team is. They're a mediocre team. They're going to get hot sometimes and they're going to go cold sometimes because you don't know what you're going to get from this offense. Uh, day to day. Now they've shown they they can 
um, score with the best teams in the National League. We saw that on Friday. But on Sunday, they did just enough to get by for an important series win against St. Louis. Shout out to Javi Baez for the two-run shot in the 10th inning. But before I go to the other side, I'll focus in on the good, like you mentioned, Lakeen. I saw a stat on Sunday night. Hopefully, you have it in front of you or my memory serves me correctly. But in the last um, – in a, like you say, in the last seven games, um, they had a total of 60 strikeouts or 80 strikeouts. I forgot uh, with the Cubs bullpen. They didn't give up a run um, leading up to Sunday night's game. So the, that Cubs bullpen, as we talked about early in the season, uh, uh, you didn't know what you was going to expect for them only because the starting pitching has started off so bad. Now that the starting pitching um, is starting to turn into form, Azalea is doing a great job. Kyle Hendricks looks like he's starting to turn around a little bit. I suggested that he should uh, uh, skip the start in a ro- skip a start in the rotation. Obviously, that hasn't ha- happened yet. Hopefully, it never happens, but we'll see about that. Jake Arrieta has returned from the injured list, and that Cubs bullpen, in particular, the Mill Relief, has done his job. Craig Campbell has been uh, very good this year, but that Mill Relief we had questions about, and uh, they're doing the job right now. So. The question is, can they continue to win this way with a, a scattered offense? It may work for a while, but I don't think it's going to be for long-term success, be, only because you don't know what you're going to get from this team offensively from day to day. And that's true. That's, that's a fair point. Sid. I mean, you know, Ryan Tapera was able to kind of get out of that jam. He had a bases loaded. No outs. He was able to get out of that jam, you know. Mm-hmm getting Goldschmidt to give up um, a sack fly and Molina, um, you know, struck out Molina or, or, you know, he was able to kind of force Molina to you know, have a, you know, hit a bad pitch. But look at, like you said, so I think that we'll just, we'll just keep up knowing your offense is going to have to, you know, kind of get back. But, you know, I think the fact that you're able to win these kinds of games when your offense is sort of like, you know, doesn't really show up a lot. You mm-hmm. gotta be feeling pretty good. I think this is what, look, Look, I mean, the Cubs gave away a couple of games where the offense, the pitch was actually pretty decent, but the offense didn't show up. So the fact that they're actually now, at least right now, winning those types of games, these types of games, you know, I think you got to be feeling pretty good if you're a Cubs fan right now. Yeah, you had to be uh, be uh, proud of this Cubs team right now. They're two games over 500 as of this recording. So they're right there where many people expected them to be, given the, the construction of this roster. But I want to go back to the offense uh, you know, during the series against the Cardinals, in particular last Friday night's game when they belted out 12 runs. But you had to give it up to, to players like Jack Peterson, who's coming through right now, especially due to the injury of Jason Harry. Of course, you have uh, Ian Happ, who's – we had uh, three hits on, on Friday. David Bodie is doing a solid job. Of course, Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryan, you expect those guys to lead your club along with Javi Baez, who had, the, who had that big home run on Sunday night. But it's the it's the unsung heroes like Jack Peterson, like I just mentioned, Nico Horner, who's returned from injury, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Ian Happ and David Bodie. And Matt Duffy, I think we finally gave some love to him on our last episode. We'll give him some love here. But those are those unsung heroes that sometimes makes the difference between uh, having a winning team or a losing team. So it seems like everybody's playing that part, at least on Friday, uh, uh, bringing out those uh, 12 runs. But my question is, uh, keep going back to it. Will this office be consistent enough to uh, get them way above the 500 mark? Uh, it, It remains to be seen. Well, yeah, like you said, so the fact that they were actually been able to play well against they took three out of four from the Nationals. They took two out of three from the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that, you know, two probably of the the teams that probably will contend for a, a playoff berth. But, 
I think you got to mm-hmm. be feeling pretty good if you're a Cubs fan right now. I mean, you got three against Pittsburgh starting tonight. You at you know at Pittsburgh, and then you have three mm-hmm. against against Cincy. You should be able to get at least two out of three from that. Now you get San Diego to come to town. So now we'll we'll see you know you know where they are at this point of the season. And they got four against San Fran after that. And then they got they got to go out west to play San Fran and San Diego. So you know it, it does get any easier for the Cubs. Now you got now look this stretch this week. You actually do have have a chance to sort of like, you know, pat some wins and try mm-hmm. to maybe gain some ground. And, and, and look, I think, look, right now, you just got to take one series at, at a time. Don't, don't look too far ahead, you know, with a team that you thought that maybe you could win, but then, you know, they've given you problems mm-hmm. and also and vice versa. So I think that right now, just take it one series at a time, you know, you know, just play each series. And look, if you win, look, as long as you win two out of three against the teams that you should win two out of three against mm-hmm. in a series, you're, 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 you're golden. As you mentioned, Lee King, you have to take care of the opponents there on your schedule and, and are in front of you. You cannot look too far ahead. We, we all know that Pittsburgh can give Cubs face, especially in Pittsburgh. I know the Cubs handled them here in Chicago in their previous two series so far through the first two months of the season. Cincinnati, we know there's a bit of rivalry between them and the mm-hmm. Cubs. We see, we'll see them over the Memorial Day weekend. And of course, Memorial Day uh, next Monday, the 31st of May, uh, the San Diego Padres will come uh, to town to play the the blue uh, the men in blue on the north side so it, it's a tough stretch san francisco will get to them later they had a disappointing series last weekend against their rivals but i will still say that they'll be in in the mix as far as the playoffs for right now so those are the next four cup cubs opponents so the cubs have to muster up wins against um, uh, lesser opponents before you take on the big boys and you cannot take the opponents especially in your division lately yeah, absolutely. And that's the, that's like, and I just, you know, set the schedule and that that's the best part because you got a tough schedule coming up after Cincinnati on Sunday, the Memorial Day, you start, you know, your, your three game against San Diego, then you have four against San Fran and then you got three more at San Diego. So I think, yeah, it's going to get tough, but again, just to take one series at a time, that's really the best you can do. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. So we talk Chicago baseball. Let's get to the bad news, <laughs> Ms. McGee. Uh, the Southsiders, mm-hmm. they lost three in a row to the New York Yankees, which I feared uh, this past weekend it actually occurred. Before we break this series down, what made me angry, if anything else, mm-hmm. Saturday's game. Yeah. It did because mm-hmm. Dylan Cease was pitching close to no hit ball through the first three and a half innings. Mm-hmm. And then that fifth inning and all fell apart. The triple play uh, Andrew Vaughn hit into on Friday. He had a role this Chapman, the Yankees closer on the ropes. No other team in baseball has touched this guy all year. And to have that happen, it was inexcusable. Carlos Rodon pitched his, you know what, off striking out 13 Bronx Bombers. You had a chance to win that game. And yes. for that triple play to to occur, excuse me, against you, that was the death nail in the coffin right there. Sunday's game, I'm not going to say I'm, I wasn't upset, but there were some encouraging signs. Of course, all, all their runs were scored by the long ball, yeah. Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal, and then the game-tying home run at ninth by rookie Andrew Vaughn. He, ma- he made up for that, for what happened to him on Friday. But my problem is this, Lakina, and we talked about this uh, at the start of the season. The middle relief has been a problem for the Southsiders. 
Yes, Matt Foster is, is turning around as of late. Evan Marshall to a lesser extent. I can get with those two. Liam Hendricks, your closer. <laughs> I'll be damned if I see him acting a fool one more time. Yeah, it's great to have personality and, and your machismo and your whatever you want to call it. I, I get all that. You can do all that when you, after you win, okay? But I need you to do your job first. Not just what happened on Sunday, but it's been happening for the last couple of weeks, okay? You can have all this bulldog mentality, put on a show and all that. I get all that. Put that energy in doing your job first. Then you can celebrate afterwards, okay? You haven't had, I don't be, believe he's had a one, two, three ninth inning all season long. I don't think he has. Mm-mm. And then what happened on Sunday after he relieved Aaron Bummer, who's really been a big disappointment over the last week or so. You come in, talking about Liam Hendricks, you come in, the bases low, you, you face Aaron Judge. The only swing and miss that Aaron Judge had, you were lucky because Aaron bailed you out with a bad swing. And then I, I hear some people uh, said um, um, on sports radio uh, on Monday morning, ah, uh, he it looks like he wasn't ready. If that's the case, that's his fault. You're supposed to be pre- prepared for any and every situation, okay? What, hap- what happened on Sunday, but that was just inexcusable. And it just magnifies the problem that this team has and what, and what the Sox bullpen issues have been all season long. Now, I, I believe the bullpen is going to turn it around here, but um, it's not too early to look far into what this team needs. And this team needs a veteran bullpen arm. It's hard to find. It's easier said than done. But they need a veteran, reliable bullpen arm. Now, on the flip side, as far as the team is concerned, I'm not going to go back to what happened last week in Minnesota with uh, TLR and your main mistakes. That's Dan DeWall as far as I'm concerned. But this, some of these players, i.e. Liam Hendricks, who's new here, you acted like you, uh, that, that uh, the world owes you something or you bigger who you think you are. Yes, you are a first-place ball club club congratulations but to go around and beating out your chest you haven't won a damn thing yet not yet not yet just win your ball games take care of your business and the rest will take care of itself they'll be uh put the cart before the horse it, it, it just that part just bothers me i know this team has personality i know you like to have fun i'm down with all that when you put things out there like that too far and you haven't won a damn thing yet i have a problem with that I know it's a double-edged sword right there, and that's a fine line, but you haven't won anything yet. Here's my, yeah, look, here's my analysis of all that stuff with Hendricks. I saw some of that stuff, and I was like, okay, yeah. And, and then you, you gave up a, a, you know, a walk-off walk, which is rare, but it does happen. So the, the, the Hendricks thing, I'm not, like, going to. I'm not even going to talk about that because I just think that you know, look, that's always been his thing. And, you know, yeah, he's a little bit you know, weird at times, but look, I think he needs to work on, you know, not giving up walks and, you know, walk-off walks, especially because, you know, your team loses that way. Now, I think also to Gleyber Torres is what happened. What he had like two home runs, like seven RBIs during that series. So he's starting to heat up. And yep. I think that, I think that's a, that, that's a, that's a bigger issue for the White, for the White Sox right now. You know, that middle relief. Now, we look, I've said that this, I've said this since even before the season started. That middle relief worries me. They, it, it still worries me. Mm-hmm. And could, look, could they write the ship or show? Of course they can. I mean, it's a long season. But again, this mm-hmm. just shows that, you know, when, you know, this, you, you wish you had Jimenez, this is, you had Eloy, and then this wish you wish, wish you had Luis Robert because, 
you know, you need those guys to play and keep up with a team like the Yankees. Yes, they showed a little bit of a fight mm-hmm. on Sunday with the Abreu home run and Andrew Vaughn with a game tying home run. And, and that's fine. But again, again, you ended up, you know, giving it right back. So look, if you're the White Sox, I mean, just look, because you put that series in the rear of your mirror, you have a, a big four gamer against the Cardinals. You can help the Cubs out a little bit if you can, <laughs> you know, try to get back, try to get back on track. Cause they don't have a, they don't have an easy schedule either. You know, in these next few weeks, you know, they're going to be, look, they're going to play some very tough teams and, this is sort of one of those times where you wish this team was at full strength because I think they probably would have a better record mm-hmm. right now. They got three against St. Louis. They got four against Baltimore. Look, I know Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's up and, up and down. They got, you know, they, you know, I know Chris Davis is done for the year, but they've got some pretty good, still got some pretty solid young players on that team. You got to go at Cleveland. You got four against Cleveland. You got four against Detroit. You got three against Toronto. Then you got to go at Detroit for three. And then you have, you have three as you host the Rays. And you have four against Houston. So the schedule doesn't get any easier for the White Sox. And all this stuff that's going on with this team right now, they need to kind of like, you know, put it to the side if you're trying to, you know, put some distance and put a cushion in that AL Central. So unfortunately, you know, right now you're not doing that. Uh, I'll give Tony LaRusso some positive credit here. At least what I'm like, what he's doing, and I said this, he's the right manager for this team, even though he, his, some of his style doesn't adapt to today's game. I do uh, will agree with him on this. He's putting players, in particular uh, pitchers and relievers, in situations that they'll have to face. They'll have to face if or should they make the playoffs this year. In this situation, how will you respond? In this situation, how you will, will respond? Right now, the only people that are getting it done, like, as as far as I see it, in the bullpen is Matt Foster and Evan Marshall. And I had my issues with Marshall starting out the year, but it looks like he's starting to turn around some. Matt Foster, the same thing. I know Garrett Crochet is injured right now, and hopefully he'll come back soon. And as far as Aaron Bummer's concerned, uh, he hasn't. Um, hopefully it's just a bad stretch he's going through right now because I really like him as a left-hander coming out of that bullpen. I know some people had him as a future closer, but thanks to the signing of Liam Hendricks, uh, that shelled that plan for at least right now. But Aaron Bummer is going through a bad stretch. Uh, Liam Hendricks, uh, if you look at the stats, it looks okay. But if you look under the hood of that car, it's not been as great as people want to make it out to be. So hopefully Hendricks will turn around, put this sideshow stuff aside. You know, stop yelling at everybody. Yell at yourself. Put that more energy do your job. Then you can go celebrate after that. I'm cool with that. Now, as far as uh, the rest of the roster is concerned, I know Adam Engel uh, started yesterday in a rehab assignment in Charlotte. Hope he'll come back soon for that injured uh, hamstring that he suffered toward the end of spring training. Uh, we all praise general manager Rick Hahn for adding depth to this roster. Hopefully Adam Engel will get back sooner rather than later. As I mentioned, he's on a rehab assignment. They could use another outfielder right now until Eloy Jimenez and or Luis Robert return later on in the season. I think the, the next month, as you mentioned, Lakina, going into June with that schedule, is going to tell a whole lot about this White Sox team. And it's going to give Rick Hahn some options of what to do at the trade deadline. If Luis Robert and or Eloy Jimenez is far away from coming back for the, to help this team for the rest of the season, I think Rick Hahn will get a uh, outfielder via trade at the trade deadline, which is July 31st. If one of them are near, I think Eloy would be closer to coming back than Luis Robert. But if Eloy is closer to coming back by the trade deadline, 
maybe Rickon will back off a little bit and, and still go as you put all his uh, efforts as you go and get that veteran middle reliever. But we shall see. But this next month, as we wrap up May going to June, is going to tell a whole lot about this White Sox team. And we'll see. Like I said, like the schedule I just mentioned, I mean, this is where – you know, we'll see if this White Sox team, I think they are for real, but I think this will also show mm-hmm. that maybe they are right there to be contenders in the AL because that's not going to be an easy schedule. This team, you know, some things have been inconsistent. You know, we've had some timely hitting. They've had some timely hitting from Jose Abreu and from Vaughn. But, but again, I think that middle relief is still going to, you know, I think that's going to be a problem mm-hmm. for them this whole season. I think that's just, it's just how it is. So, We'll see what they do against the teams I've mentioned. The, the schedule coming up these next few weeks, but again, you kind of have to play with the not urgency, but I think you got to show people that hey, you mm-hmm. know what, maybe maybe the oh, this team is sort of like right there, like to be an AL contender. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. You see, Tim Anderson starting to come through. He had a nice series against the Yankees uh, last weekend. Johan Makata, hope he'll come through at uh, continue to come through at the plate. I like his glove right now. Nick Madrigal quietly. Uh, is is starting to come through. I like what I see from him. Uh, of course, this roster is led by their starting pitching, and and that's the way they're going to have to win. But uh, this this team could put up some runs, and they're going to have to get creative at times when they're not hitting the long ball. The question is, can they do that consistently till uh, Elo Jimenez and or if Luis Robert come back uh, later on this season? This White Sox team. Uh, I like their depth, but let's just see if they can put it together consistently. Just looking at the schedule for this week, as you mentioned, they got St. Louis in here for three, Baltimore for four. Uh, you, have to, you have a chance to pile up some wins, and I expect them to do that as they return home uh, to the south side. And, that's, and that stadium is now going to be filled at least 60, 60, up to 60% capacity. So they're going to have more fans in there to come out and watch their team play. You listen to Second City Sports Zoom style along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Now, Sid, what impressed you so far this weekend in the in the MLB? <laughs> the Dodgers sweep away the Giants. Uh, let me just put it this way, uh, no pun intended. It was um, men against boys, and the, the Dodgers had timely hitting and timely pitching. The Giants, they couldn't muster up any runs. If you looked at the final score from Sunday, this should tell – Tell the whole story there from the entire series. Uh, watch uh, some of that. Uh, some of that series. Uh, the Dodgers are clearly uh, the better team. I know we talked about their struggles for the last few weeks. They started to turn it turn it around. Uh, this was a big test for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they failed. I know they're going to face each other again in Dodger Stadium coming up this upcoming weekend. We'll get in more to that in our next episode. But uh, the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they showed who they were. They're not ready for prime time yet. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday, uh, there was a nice comeback win against the Toronto Blue Jays. We, we both talked about how we like that Toronto ball club. I have Toronto re- being represented as an AL wildcard root winner. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, they got a game in, in, their, in their series against the Boston Red Sox on Sunday. The Boston, I believe, took two out of three from, from them. So I like the way Boston's playing. Everybody thought they were going to fall out. They they're right there, folks. So watch out for the for the Red Sox. The Twins and Indians they were battling e- each other over the weekend. I know the Twins took the last game on Sunday in ten innings, eight to five. Cleveland, as I mentioned, they're going to hang around in the AL Central till the White Sox get their act together and hopefully go on a nice long run. So. 
Cleveland do not ignore them just yet. Just yet. I know Sox fans want to say, oh, the, um, the, the division title is a wrap. Maybe it will be there eventually at the end, but right now do not count these uh, Cleveland Indians out. And the Royals won, you know, two out of three from their series too. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're still right there at four back. So I think I know, yeah, they got the White Sox fans want to say that they got the division at hand, but no, you still got teams behind you that mm-hmm. are still right there. Could probably have a say on whether or not you'll be able to win it now. In the Dodgers- yeah, before you continue, yeah, not to cut you off again, before you continue, shout out to Kansas City and Detroit you just mentioned. I did watch a little bit of the game on Sunday. They had their throwback uniforms. Uh, yes. Detroit had the 1920 Detroit Stars uniforms. Yep. I, I, got, I got that correct. And then the Kansas City Royals wore, wore the 1949 Kansas City Monarchs jersey. Yep. Both those franchises, I know they've been doing it for a long time, but they celebrated the Negro uh, leagues on Sunday for that series finale. I know the Negro League Museum is in Kansas City, Missouri. Hopefully I get a chance to visit that before I check a body here. But uh, shout out to those two teams yesterday for um, supporting the Negro Leagues that was, with yeah, their that throwback was, uniforms. Yeah, that was really cool. I saw a little bit of that yesterday. Yeah. The highlights. But yeah, those are yeah, I mean, the, the, those, and finally that these stories are being told and then the Negro League is now part of the MLB family now, which I think mm-hmm. is even better. But, you yeah, know, it should be done done a long time ago, yeah, but um, yeah. but it's done now. Yeah, finally. Um, look, I think the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers showed you why they're still the king in that division, even though I mean the Padres have won nine in a row, <laughs> and they'd be leading that division too, but more more for the Padres. But they've won nine in a row. The Padres have, and the Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, what more? What more can you say? I mean, in that sweep against the Rockies. He joined Trevor Story as the only two only shortstops with multiple 440 foot home runs and single games in the last 15 seasons. He's the only shortstop to do it outside of Coors Field in that span. So mm-hmm. he continues to you know continues to amaze and and whatnot. And I'm sure he's not 100. percent He actually admitted that. So the fact that he's still doing this, I mean, it's just nothing mm-hmm. short of astonishing. Um, like I said, the Rays, the Rays, I mean, I was very disappointed in that series with the Blue Jays. I mean, I thought maybe the Blue Jays would win mm-hmm. one. They they haven't, so they, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't. So that that's, you know. They gave that game away on Sunday. I was did. watching the end of that. Yeah. I was like, oh, they had it. Uh, I saw they former did. Cubs, Tyler Chadwick, trying to mow it down and just couldn't get it done. Just couldn't get it, yeah. No, so, yeah, so, you know, the, the Rays, you know, give them credit. They're still, you know, 10, you know, they've won 10 as is recording. There's, you know, right there. And also to the Yankees, too, but mm-hmm. they – by via the sweep of the Sox, they're only a half game back. So look, there's still a lot, look, you still got a lot of like these divisions still very very competitive. No, mm-hmm. Oakland and uh, also to Oakland, yeah, go ahead. Oakland, Oakland, you know, all this stuff going on off the field with them. Maybe they might be relocating in a in a, in a couple years. You know, but uh, we'll 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 go more in depth to that in future episodes. But you know, Oakland and you know Houston, they're right, kind of like going back and forth. So. And I think they have a series against each other coming up, I think. So that'll probably be for control of that division. So it's a very, very interesting – it was a very interesting weekend in Major League Baseball. And also, let's give love to the Washington Nationals. Of course, they lost three or four here in Chicago last week over the weekend in their Beltway series against their uh, area rival, uh, Baltimore Orioles. They swept away the Orioles. I uh, know John Lester did not have a good start on uh, Saturday, I believe. But uh, the, uh, the Nationals offense came back and, and won uh, that game, and they wrapped up the Sunday's game with a sweep. The na- that Nationals team, uh, I may not like them in the long haul because I don't think they'll have enough to get over, but uh, they have a strong offense. Kyle Schwarber hit another big home run run on Sunday. I like Juan Soto. He's a future NL uh, 
MVP candidate. They they have some players over there, Josh Bell and Matt Harrison, where they picked up from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, their lineup is not too bad. It's just like, can they get it all, put it all together? It looks like the NL East is going to be competitive too. I know the Mets are up there right now, but I know it's early. I know ho- hopefully after Memorial Day we'll stop saying that. But do you see uh, the Mets um, running away with that division? I know Jacob DeGrand is, is going to come back tonight uh, in his start against the Rockies, but. I know the Mets are leading, but do you see them running away with this division right now? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't either. I think they're just so, there's just so much depth in that division. There's only, as is recorded, there's only a two and a half, you know, game lead between the Mets and the last place Nationals. So, and look, mm-hmm. you know, Miami, give them credit for staying up there. Atlanta's up and down. No, Ronald Acuna, you know, has, you know, been tearing the ball, tearing the ball off lately. So, you know, he's been really good. Philadelphia, I mean, they, they needed that win on Sunday <laughs> because, you know, mm-hmm. they would have been swept. But, but look, I think that, look, that division is still up for grabs. I think we saw, we talked about the Central, mm-hmm. the NL Central. We talked about the AL East. But it's like the NL East might be the, might be that, that division from at least up and down. And that pers- from that perspective, you know, it could, mm-hmm. it's probably anybody's division. Yeah, also, too, Atlanta took care of business against Pittsburgh this weekend, so they're not out of it either. No, that should be. This division should be a whole lot of fun. I think they all I think they all face each other, too, within these next couple of weeks. So hopefully, mm-hmm. like you said, hopefully we'll have some type of separation, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least not, not in this gender, but, you know, you never know. You listen to the second season sports Zoom style once again, along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. This time, let's go to the hardwood, Sid. The NBA playoffs commences commence this weekend. We'll start with the Saturday matchups. It's a very interesting. Well, well actually, you know what? Let's start with the get the Friday matchup out the way, the play-in with the, the Grizzlies mm-hmm. and the Warriors. We talked about it in our roundtable with our with our buddies, Big Dave Watson, a lot of tech guy, and our guy Josh Hicks. Um, we all kind of like, well. I don't know who I don't know who said, but somebody did say that. Don't be surprised if Memphis ends up being the Warriors, which is exactly. Oh, that was uh, Dave. Dave, yeah, Dave. You know, we'll give a mm-hmm. shout out to him because um, he called it, and I. Uh, I mean, look, we you we weren't surprised, and I think look, we look, we saw last year in the bubble where they just missed making the playoffs. They were mm-hmm. ready for that prime time. John Moran and Devin Brooks. I mean. Look, they they showed you why. Look, we're we're not we're not going to be pushovers here. You're not going to sweep us out, and we'll talk about their matchup against Utah in our in our uh, second half. But what what did you think about that uh, that game? Uh, Memphis after they blew their double digit lead, they they came back strong. Uh, they hung in tough, especially after going into overtime. Uh, they made the plays when they had to. Like as you mentioned, John Moran had a big game with 35 points. Cal Anderson had a couple big buckets too. I know he has scored a total of nine points, but uh, he has some big plays down the stretch as well. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, he stepped up as well. And Valanciunas, uh, his stat lines didn't look th- uh, that great because he was in foul trouble, but he still came up big with 12 rebounds. Uh, that, that Memphis team plays hard, and they'll give you a fight. Uh, I think at the end there, the Warriors just ran out of time, and they were fatigued, especially after uh, losing the way they did. Uh, last Wednesday uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Friday, last Friday, uh, they they came back and they made a game out of it, uh, actually, and went into overtime. But as I said, like, you know, who's going to step up to help out Steph Curry? The only person that did that was Andrew Wiggins. He added 22 points. I know the Jordan Poole added uh, 19 coming off the bench in 38 minutes of action. But Steph Curry can't do anything. 
everything uh, for the Warriors. I know he had 39 points, but uh, it just shows you that this Warriors team, uh, they, they just ran out of gas and uh, they didn't have enough to overtake Memphis. Memphis uh, wanted it more. That's from what I saw. I think mentally, though, like you said, so I think they were mentally exhausted, exhausted the Warriors were, I think. <laughs> Especially since it seems like it. I think Curry ran out of gas, too. I know Poole had 19 mm-hmm. off the bench, and, you know, if Wiggins you know, did what he needed to do. But, again, you know, Draymond, where, 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 where was, you know, Draymond? Look, Draymond did the best he yeah. could, but, but, again, I mean, where was he when it really, when it really counted? And, you know, he only had 11 points, so – you know, he had his struggles from the field as well. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think just say that not having Clay Thompson, they finally caught up to them. I think that's what's really like mm-hmm. the thing, you know, for me. And I think that I didn't think they would go far anyway, if even they made the main playoff. So yeah. I wasn't too shocked that the Grizzlies were able to upset them as I, I'm using air quotes here, folks, if we're going to be watching, <laughs> if you're listening to this, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, like you said, I think the Grizzlies just wanted more in the end. Yeah, and they got the win on the road, and they deserve the number eight seed. Uh, we'll review their win against the Utah Jazz uh, in our uh, next segment. Uh, that, that was one of the, if not, it was one of the best games I, I thought that took place last weekend as the playoffs uh, opened. But uh, before we take our break, let's review uh, the Saturday games. Uh, the first game was game one of the Easter Conference first round series between the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee got a two-point win in overtime thanks to um, Chris Middleton's game-winning shot in overtime. Those those two of as a part of his 27-point performance. Giannis Antetokounmpo added 26. Drew Holiday added 20 for Milwaukee. As we mute you, <laughs> uh, Brooke Lopez added 18. Coming off the bench, PJ Tucker did nothing, but that Mm-mm. that didn't matter. But I, I, I'll say this for Milwaukee: as long as you get balanced scoring, that uh, that helps out Giannis. You, you'll win most of the time. And taking a look at the stats on the flip side for the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, he didn't have a great uh, shooting game. He was seven of ten from the free throw line. Uh, he did score the game time tie-in bucket uh, to force overtime. He was only 4 for 22 for the day. That was not good. Bam Adebayo had 9 points and 12 rebounds. Duncan Robinson had a huge game. He carried the heat. Uh, he was the second leader scorer for them with 24. And Gordon Dragic with 35 minutes of action off the bench netted home 25 points. Lakina, is this is this series over or do you think Miami has a fight? Because I, I think this series is going in at least 6 games. Yeah, at the risk of our uh, our, our girl, Alana, uh, not – I'm sure she was not very happy. She actually went to this game, and I'm sure she wasn't very happy with what mm-hmm. she saw. But, you know, look, <laughs> uh, look, we thought, look, we all thought that Bam was going to ball out. He didn't. He, only, he was only four for 15. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was just he had his struggle. I think him not being defensive player of the year finals, like that kind of, like, got to him, I think, for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. So, But I expect him to bounce back in game two. And, you know, look, look, Nunn had his struggles. And I think, look, Goran Dragic had 25 off the bench. But, again, I think, you know, Jimmy needs to step up. Arias needs to step up. Bam needs to step up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not worried about the heat, not by any stretch. I think, look, I think the Bucks, look, Chris Middleton, that's probably the best shot, <laughs> the, you know, the best shot he actually has made. So the clutch, most clutch shot he's made yeah. in his career. So the fact that he was able to do that, I think, you know, helped out Giannis. You know, had his struggles. You know, he might not he might not be 100% either, Giannis, so I think that's probably might be why. But the fact that Milton was able to step up, I think 
you know, showed a lot of guts in his part. You know, Brooke Lopez at 18. You know, Drew Holiday had that massive block against Jimmy that kept it from, you know, from yeah. winning it. So I think nobody's really talking about that play. But, uh, yeah, I think that was a great block by him. And I think that's why he is a defensive player of the year finalist. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he just showed you that. So, yeah, I'm, like, I'm not worried about the Heat. I think this is going to go six. Will, will it be the Bucks or the Heat? I think it's going to be all about opportunistic plays. I think that's going to be really the thing in this mm-hmm. series. Okay, following that game was game one of the Western Conference first round series between the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. As we said, Lakina, all the pressures on the Clippers this year is given fact what happened last year in the bubble with all the drama both on and off the court. The Dallas Mavericks controlled that game from the start and they defeated the Clippers, uh, taking away home court 113 to 103. Luka Doncic led Dallas with, with 31 points. Uh, Jalen Brunson added 15 off the bench. Christoph Porzingis, who I think is going to be key in this series if he stays healthy. He didn't have the world's greatest shooting game, but he contributed 14 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. added 21 points, and um, Dorian Finney-Smith added 18. On the flip side for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard added 26. Paul George, uh, a mediocre 23 points, but uh, they didn't get anything else uh, afterwards. Uh, the next guy was Patrick Beverly with 10. Nicholas Batum off the bench had 11 Rondo uh, did this thing with 11, but who else is going to be that third guy scorer-wise for the Clippers to help out? Uh, <laughs> help out George and uh, Kawhi and Leonard. If you guys just listen to us exclusively on, on our podcast, Lakina is doing the whole searching thing right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I look. I'm assuming that's, that's a shot at the Clippers, I assume, correct? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, look. Okay. Who, look, I mean, uh, where's PG? I'm all looking for Where's playoff PG? I mean, like, I, I look, I guess I've been yeah. waiting for six years for this. I still haven't found him yet. And who wants to stuff up? <laughs> Like you said, by, like, besides he and Kawhi, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, look, Zubik, I mean, I mean come on, we'll let the you know, step a little bit here. Yeah, you know, also, too, you know, more, Marcus mm-hmm. Morris Sr., I mean, like, we're, we only have four points, really? Come on. And also, too, yeah. like, and, and also, too, like, the rest of the guys off the bench, look, I, I like what Rondo's doing. That's about the best. I think Rago needs to do that more. Um, also, too, Ibaka. I mean, like, you're not, this is not your first ro- ro- rodeo, Ibaka. I mean, like, where where are you? Like, come on, where where's the supporting mm-hmm. cast? Because if the supporting cast from the Clippers don't step up, this year is going to be over very quick. I think Steve Bomber is going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hardcore. <laughs> well, it might be a couple of expletives after that, in between those two. Oh, words, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in between that. But, yeah, I mean, come on now. But, look, I think this is going to go six. I think we'll, we'll see if the Clippers can bounce back. But they, they definitely, like, if you're the Clippers, you better win game two. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Moving on, uh, the Easter Conference first round series between the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. So the t- that's the two-seven matchup. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets won handily, one of four, ninety-three. Uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving combined for eighty-two points. That's eighty-two out of the hundred and four points that the Brooklyn Nets totaled in Game One. By the bench, for the, the Nets scored twenty-two. K- KD. Kevin Durant, for those of you that's listening, had mm-hmm. 32 points. Kyrie chipped in with 29. James Harden with 21. Uh, the the bench for the for the Nets, as, as I mentioned, uh, Nick, Nicholas Claxton, who I liked all year, he scored mm-hmm. six points. Jeff Green chipped in with three. Bruce Brown only had two, but it's all about the big three, Lakina. And uh, if they play like that in every game, they'll be hard to stop. I was I was very impressed with how the Nets looked on. 
on Saturday. I mean, I was like, I wasn't surprised. I think, look, I think Durant, I think showed you why he's been sort of like the king of the playoffs when it replays. Um, Kyrie Irving, look, all the weird stuff he's done. <laughs> look, he, he showed you why that, look, he's actually a pretty good player on the court too. So that, you know, I think that, that he showed, you know, great presence there. I know Griffin had his struggles, but he really didn't, he really didn't need to do anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you had the big three, you had Durant, Irving, and Harden, and, you know, as long as they're, as long as those three are doing their thing, you get, you get, you know, you get a couple of, you know, you know, you get a couple of, you get a little countries from some of the other guys, Claxton, like you said, um, you know, uh, Harris too. I mean, he had 10 points, you know, Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I think as long as you get those, as you get some contributions on the supporting guys, you're gold. You're good to go if you're the Nets. Now, as for Boston, not having Jalen Brown, I think, I don't want to say that the Nets are going to sweep them. I'll give them one game, but mm-hmm. they're showing you why, you know, Brown is missed on that team. You know, he's sort of like the facilitator in the offense. He kind of, he mm-hmm. makes big shots, take the pressures off Tatum. Look, more guys need to set up. You know, Walker, he can't to step up. Marcus Smart needs to step up. I mean, those mm-hmm. guys need to kind of step up in, in in Brown's absence. And if they don't, this is gonna this series is gonna be over. It's gonna be over very quickly. And wrapping up Saturday's action, going back to the rest of the conference, the first round matchup between the Portland Trail Blazers and the Denver Nuggets. Portland steals game one one twenty three to one oh nine. Nikolai Jokic for Denver led that squad with thirty four points. Dame Dollar, aka Damian Lowe, for those of you that are listening, he scored. Uh, 34 as well for the Portland Trail Blazers. Lakina, Portland um, had it a little bit more than Denver. Uh, I think at least for this game, you could tell that uh, Denver is missing Jamal Murray. I think the Nuggets will respond in game two, but who's going to uh, help out uh, Jokic? I know Aaron Gordon struggled from the field. He only had 16 total points. Michael Porter Jr., uh, had a big game with the 25, but a- after that, where was the scoring? Where was Paul Millsap at? He only had a total of three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not going to get it done. Uh, where's that secondary help is going to come from? Where is it going to come from for, for Denver? Uh, I, 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 mm-hmm. I I would repeat your uh, phrase from the, la- from the last game we just reviewed, that this series is going to be over quickly than expected, but I still dis- expect this series to be a, a long series. Portland did what they had to do, steal a home court from Denver. Denver needs to step up more in game two, in particular, Paul Millsap, Eric Gordon. It feels like we've had this, this conversation with Denver the last, like, two or three years, right? I mean, it, it seems like, you know, look, I think this shows you, you know, that you're feeling Murray's absence right now, and I think that that's probably what you're going to – this is gonna probably going to be the series for Nuggets. I mean, look, I think Joker's going to do so much. And the Aaron Gordon needs to step up, like you said. I mean, Rivers needs to step up. Campanzo needs to step up for the Nuggets. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, Millsap, like you said, needs to step up too. This is his first uh, first go ahead and the play go around in the playoffs, so he needs to step his game up. I mean, if those mm-hmm. guys don't step up for the Nuggets, I mean, look, Dame and look, Carmelo had um had had a nice a nice showing with 18 off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, Simmons, you know. Anthony Simmons had 10 off the bench, 14 off the bench, I should say, for the, the, the Blazers, too. I think we're finally starting yeah. to see this Blazers team at full strength. You know, Nurkic had 16, had a double-double, 16 and 12. You know, Lillard, like you said, had 34 and 13 uh, assists. McCollum had – Yeah, they owned the paint over Denver. Yes, they did. So, I, I think that's what – because I think because, you know, 
Jokic had to start you know, shooting him from the outside. That's why they were able to kind of get mm-hmm. him out of there. So that's why Jokic was mm-hmm. Jokic was able to uh, Nurkic, I should say, should you know, was able to kind of dominate in the paint. So they're gonna yeah, look. I mean, Denver needs to get it together because, or else Portland's gonna blow them right out of the gym. Yeah, let's also give C.J. McCollum some love too. He had 21 points. So uh, Denver has their work cut out for them. I still believe it's gonna be a long series. Uh, Portland did what they had to do, still home court. It, the pressure's on Denver to win their uh, home game in game two. Let's take this 22nd timeout. When we right. return on Second City Sports, we'll review Sunday's action. It was a, a whole lot of intensity. And a certain celebrity fan um, is back in the spotlight. <laughs> if you don't know who we're talking about, we'll let you know. And we'll get into our PGA Championship. A, a certain future legend has finally won. And another NFL star wants out. It's not who you think it is. We'll mm-hmm. let you know who, who we're talking about as well. Uh, along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You're listening to Sega City Sports. Welcome back to Sega City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, on YouTube at War Media. And you can follow our audio version at War on Anchor which keeps you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. We are available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you search, type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, as George Offman always says, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And we're unapologetically fun. Yes, let's continue this fun, Lakina. As uh, we'll review uh, Sunday's playoff action, the first game that was played, it was between the Washington Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers out of the Eastern Conference. That's the 1-8 matchup. Philadelphia gets by Washington, 125-118. to Tobias Harris led Philadelphia with 37 points, while Bradley Beal led Washington with 33 points. Lakina, a couple of things that stood out to me. Philadelphia had hot shooting uh, toward the end of that game. Joel Embiid Joel struggled uh, for Philadelphia. I know he had 30 points, but but to me, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't look good at times, but, you know, he found a way to, uh, to get it done. Seth Curry, I know he was injured for a minute. It's Seth, not Steph, but Seth, mm-hmm. S-E-T-H. Um, he scored 15 points. But uh, Ben Simmons, uh, in 38 minutes of action, did not look good. Even though he was a plus 18, he only scored six points. I know he grabbed 15 rebounds and dished out 15 assists, but – Call me crazy, but I just need him to step up more offensively. I know we talked about him not developing a jump shot uh, throughout his career, but uh, uh, if Philadelphia need, uh, wants to go anywhere and uh, uh, contend for a championship, he needs to score more than six points. I'm sorry. 
yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not going to do it if you're trying to, you know, if you that's not going to, that's not going to be good enough to be Brooklyn. That let's, let's put it, that, that's, mm -hmm. I think you're simply saying it's it. I mean, I, yes. look, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the good news is that Harris stepped up and so did Embiid. Yes, you know, yes, that's not an Embiid-like performance, you know, the 30 points, you only, they only had, I think he only had like eight rebounds, like six eight rebounds or something like that. So, you know, mm -hmm. yes, it wasn't an B performance, but yeah, it was enough to win. Like I said, Tobias Harris stepped up with 37. You know, that's definitely probably a season high for him, I believe. So, I mean, look, I think that's what you want, balanced scoring. I mean, look, if, if Simmons has an off night, Harris could step up. If, if you know, B has an off night, you know, maybe Seth Curry can step up too. So, yeah, I think that's a good thing if you're – look, if you're in Philadelphia and you're a Doc Rivers, I think you can take – you could take, you know, if your guys take – your top guys take a day off, I think this is what this is what you want from NBA team to have your supporting guys step up. And that's what they did. So, it, it's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, going to freak out because, okay, Simmons had a bad game. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, look, they, they won. You know, look, they had – you know, Harris stepped up. It's fine. On the flip side – as I mentioned, Bradley Beal led Washington with 33 uh, points. Russell Westbrook had 16 points, 14 rebounds, but only five rebounds off of seven of uh, 17 shooting. He did not have a good game. Uh, Bertans uh, in 20, 28 minutes of action scored 14 points off the bench, including shooting four of eight from downtown. Daniel Gafford, the former Bull, in his first playoff game in 20 minutes of action off the bench, actually looked good. I was impressed by him. He had 12 points to go along with six rebounds. Yeah, Westbrook had Westbrook had his struggles. I mean, he had fourteen and six and sixteen points, but like I say, he struggled from the field, and you know he only was only all for two for three. So I think that didn't help either. You know, Bradley Beal at thirty three, despite being one for six from three. And if you're look, if you're hoping to pull off an upset, if you're Washington, you need to get your three point shooting together. You're only mm -hmm. you're eight for you're eight for twenty, which is not bad, but again, that's not going to be good enough to beat beat Philly. And your supporting people need to step up. I mean, Alex Lynn had. Had you know four had twelve. Um, Yakamura had Yakamura, Hakamura. I just I never could spell. Even even use that Gonzaga, I could never spell the guy's name. Sorry about that, but he had twelve points. Like he looked really good. I mean, look, they just need look. People need to step up besides Beal and Westbrook. Those supporting guys, you know, Gaffer. You're happy for him. You know, he's been actually very productive since being traded to the Wizards. But, you know, more guys just need to step up. Robert Lopez needs to step up. You only had six points. Come on now. Step up here. We've, we've seen you play here. So, we, you know, we know how good you can be. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I mean look, these, look, they just, the supporting guys need to step up. And, look, you can't afford to have Westbrook have a, a, a bad game and then not have one of your other guys step up. You just can't afford to do that if you're the Wizards. Uh, the second game from last Sunday's docket uh, comes to us from the Western Conference, the, two, the seven matchup between – the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, the Suns have home court. Uh, the Suns held on in game one by the score of 99 to 90. They lead that best of seven series, one game to none. Devin Booker led Phoenix with 34 points. LeBron James had 18.7 rebounds and 10 assists. Lakina, there were fireworks galore uh, during this game. Chris Paul was injured early with a shoulder, came back and helped Phoenix win. It was an altercation between Alex Caruso and former Chicago Bull campaign. He did something stupid and got kicked out. <laughs> ah. And then LeBron James and Chris Paul decided to tussle in the lane, grabbing a rebound. And LeBron James, as usual, has the flair for the dramatics. 
Flair. I'm using air quotes for those listening exclusively on our podcast. Uh, I injured my shoulder too. Let me join the party. Ah, ah, my shoulder. Ah, 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 I can't swim. Oh, boy. <laughs> what did you think about all the shenanigans and fireworks from from game one of the Suns Lakers series? I just I just laughed. I'm like really the brawl. Like, <laughs> I think the brawl missed his. I think the brawl missed his calling. All the stuff he the, the, the actually he does. I think he well, he's in L. A. Now, so I'm sure he's probably got actor friends that's helping him out with that. But look, I mean, on, on the court though, I mean, look, you know, Aiden had. 20 points and 10 rebounds. I mean, that's the first, he's the first Suns player to do that in their playoff debut. 34 for mm-hmm. Booker. That's the most by a Suns player in his debuts, in their debut. So, and, and look, I, I think, look, he shot, you know, Aiden shot very well, you know, 90%, probably his best game of the season. Look, we, look, we said that don't be surprised if the Lakers upset the Suns. We didn't say it was going to be a sweep. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there's going to be fireworks all, you know, all series. And, you know, hopefully, you know, CP3 shoulder, you know, doesn't bother him too much or hinder him too much because I think that he would He says be, he's playing game two, so we'll see what happens. Let's hope he's, you know, at the very least 80%. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't sound like it's a, it's, you know, like nothing's broken or anything. He's just a very, a very severely sprained. Uh, severe is, at the very least a sprained shoulder if nothing else so we'll see how he does we'll see how that shoulder looks I mean like I think you know Aiden needs to step up Crowder needs to step up those guys need to step up if CP3 mm-hmm. is not going to be at 100% as for the Lakers look I think you need to look KCP you know only had seven points that's not going to do it if you're trying to you know get back into the finals and also to Anthony Davis he needs to play better and yeah. now played him and I think and yes. he realizes that, thankfully. So we'll see how he re- responds in game two. Yeah, Anthony Davis, I think the offense is going to go through him in game two because, as you mentioned, he shot five of 16, only scored a total of 13 points. DeAndre Aiden did his thing on Sunday. He was the better player inside uh, between the, those two guys. And I, I, as we said before, Lakina, who's going to help out uh, in terms of scoring f- for the Lakers? Uh, especially in the interior, DeAndre Aiden did his thing with 21 points and 16 rebounds, and it, it seems like he couldn't miss on Sunday, so he got the better uh, of, of the two in that matchup. Andre Drummond with 19 uh, with 19 minutes of action, he had a good game with 12 points and uh, nine rebounds, including seven offensive rebounds, so the Lakers can hang their head on that there. Uh, Kyle Kuzma in 19 minutes of action, no points. That's unexcusable. Mm-mm. Wes That's Matthews, who started to play uh, uh, play more as in these last few weeks of the regular season, it looks like his struggles is carried over to the playoffs in 12 minutes of action. He only scored a total of two points. That's not going to get it done either. And Montrez Harrell, I really like him a lot, but only three rebounds. I know he scored 12 points, but only three rebounds that – and that's just not going to get it done either. They're, obviously, the pressure is on the Lakers to uh, to win game two. If they don't, uh, it's going to be trouble, even though you're going back to Los Angeles for games three and four uh, uh, this upcoming weekend. I'm with you on that. Lakers need to get together, those supporting players you just mentioned. So, absolutely. So, we'll see what happens in game two of that series. One of the Probably one of the more thrilling series from Sunday is Atlanta and New York. This is a four or five. Atlanta, Atlanta, um, with thanks to a go-ahead jumper by Trey Young. Shout out to our good buddy Spiro Diaz from Turner, who had the call at that him with and Greg Anthony, mm-hmm. you know, did a great job, a great job with that last, you know, the last shot by 
by uh, Trey Young and Trey Young's um, theatrics afterwards. You know, he almost like took a bath, <laughs> almost like did what Reggie Miller <laughs> did years ago. It was really yeah. funny. He did, like, he, did, he did the whole like you know, shh, you know, be quiet thing. I'm putting yeah. my, yeah. my finger over my mouth here for those who are listening to this. But it was just, it was actually a really cool game. You know, like shout out to yes, shout out to um, D Rose. You know, look, this is sort of like he's look. I think he knows a, a thing or two about you know playoff games. He he did very yes. well for them. Julius Randle struggled for. He only had 15. Um, RJ Barrett had 14 for for the Knicks. Um, D Rose, like I said, had 17 off the bench. So a great, you know, great move for him. Also, too, also too, <laughs> Emmanuel Quick, uh, Alec Burks. Alec Burks, you know, there's a name that people have probably mm-hmm. haven't heard in a while. He had 27 off the bench. Actually, he led, yeah, he had a good game for the Knicks. So unfortunately, like I said, you know, Randall had his struggles. Um, Barrett also had his struggles too. So, you know, had 14 and 11. You know. You know, he had double-double, too, but he had his struggles in the field. So what do you think about this series? First of all, I had, a, had the chance to watch the um, MSG feed from, Mass, from, um, from New York City via my computer live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Breen, who also does the games for uh, ESPN and ABC. It was him and Walt Clive Frazier. And yeah. uh, Chicago's very own Rebecca Harlow, who's their courtside reporter. They did a great job. Mm-hmm. You can feel the energy in watching it. You can feel the energy of those 15,000 Knicks fans in Madison Square Garden. That's the way it's supposed to be as we uh, get back to normal here, you know, coming out of the pandemic. We're not out of it yet, but we're slowly coming out of it. But it was nice to hear those fans getting into it, including Spike Lee, who got stared down there by Trey Young at the end of the game. Um, Spike Lee, mask on and all. He was still whooping it up for the Knicks. I know. I don't know if they showed this on the national broadcast, but uh, comedian Tracy Morgan was there sitting courtside too at the game. So it was nice to see him again. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the fans were into it from start to finish. Uh, they, were, um, they were saying some um, silly, not so nice things to Trey Young even before he hit that game winner. I'm not going to repeat it here, but uh, it was nice to, nice to see those Knicks fans. I think you waited for eight years to see a, a home playoff game. Congratulations to you to uh, you guys. You guys brought the energy, you brought the passion, and it could be felt for those watching across the country. Like I said, I got a chance to watch the local feed. and um, they, You could tell that everybody was into it from the start. I know Atlanta started off hot, but uh, going back to the Knicks side of things, Alfred Payton, uh, Tom Thibodeau, the head coach, gave him a short leash. He only played eight minutes. You saw, like you said, quickly in in uh, our guy Derek Rose, who hit the game tying shot. Uh, with the seconds, uh, about five seconds left to go. I was actually on my seat when he did that. So I'm, I'm proud of this guy who's able to uh, extend his career. He's not the man anymore, but he can still give you enough to help a winning ball club. So I, I like what I saw from uh, D. Rose. As you mentioned, Julius Randle has to play better, only 6 of 23 shooting. I'm not going to blame everything on him, but you need other guys to step up that has been helping you out all year, like Reggie Bullock and Norlands Norrell and R.J. Barrett, uh, who – he had 14 points, but he, he struggled out there too. Uh, Obi Toppin, uh, the rookie out of Dayton, he, he only played 12 minutes. He gave some energy coming off the bench as well. Tosh Gibson, who I was surprised that Tom Thimmel gave some extended minutes to, but I'm, uh, I'm sure that the reason why Coach Tibbs did it, did it because he trusts him more. Uh, Tosh Gibson only had five points and nine rebounds in 24 minutes of action, but uh, the, the, the Knicks – 
uh, of course, Julius Randle needs to play better, but I, I still have faith that they will win this series. I think they're the better team. I think I had them in five or six games. So, you know, this series is far from over. Atlanta had a great uh, uh, comeback. They started to shoot the ball from the outside. Of course, Danilo Garlinari, he struggled for Atlanta. Uh, bad haircut, by the way. I don't know who told me could do that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother issue there. But Lou Williams, a.k.a. Spicy Hot Wings Williams, scored 13 points in 13 minutes of action. Uh, Herter had uh, eight points, uh, even though he struggled shooting from the field. But uh, Bogdanovich for Bogdan Bogdanovich for Atlanta, he had 18 points, including 49 shooting from downtown. Um, Hunter, their second-year player, uh, uh, he had a good game. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, that is. Um, he only had five points, but uh, he brought that energy that the Atlanta Hawks needed, and John Collins actually played okay. He had 12 points to go along with seven rebounds. So Atlanta had uh, had some balance there. As I mentioned, they started to shoot the ball from three-point land in the second half, but I think it's going to come down to the inside play for both teams. And, and for the Knicks, it starts with Julius Randle, who I believe will have a, a better game, too. Uh, for Atlanta, the the question is, uh, even though you stole home court from the Knicks, will you get complacent in game to just throw, throw your shoes out there and say, oh, we did what we had to do. We won't have to show up until we get to Atlanta. Uh, even though this is the first time this group has gone through a, a playoff experience, you cannot let your guard down if you're the Hawks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, shout out to Nate McMillan for the job he's done since taking over from yeah. Atlanta. So I think that he definitely should get some credit for that. And look, you know, Trey Young had, you know, 30 points, 10 assists and five rebounds. That's the just second player to do that other than LeBron. So I think he definitely should be commended for that performance. And look, we'll see. I mean, maybe the series will go a little bit further than a lot of people thought it would, you know, you know, Knicks in five, maybe, I, I guess, you know, we'll see how the Knicks respond in game mm-hmm. two. Now staying in the Western Conference, going back to the Western Conference, you got Memphis is somewhat of an upset. Upsetting Utah, 112 to 109. Dylan Brooks and John Morant both scored at least 25 points. That's like the in their season de- postseason debut. That's the fourth set of teammates to have that type of debut. Dylan Brooks split the way with 31. You know, they joined the guys like Ben Gordon and Andres Nocioni from 05. Those 05 Bulls teams. <laughs> teams. Also, too, they should have won that series against Washington, but that's a, whole nother yeah, that's a whole nother issue. Yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Uh, 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 Alonzo Morton, Kendall Gill, who did it for the Charlotte Hornets in 93. And also, too, David Robinson and Willie Anderson from back in 1990. Well, remember Willie Anderson? I mean, yes, my goodness. yes. So just, 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 look, I mean, the fact that they were able to do this, Grizzlies, um, the Grizzlies did um, – just that just shows the tenacity that we all saw. I mean, look, John Moran, 26, mm-hmm. like I said. And, and look, Utah, there might be some, some issues going on with Utah. We'll talk about that in, in, a, in a minute. But what do you think about that performance? It's just, a, it's just an amazing performance by the Grizzlies on Sunday. Yeah, so even though the, the injury to Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, which we'll get to in a second, uh, him um, missing uh, the game, uh, it was a huge difference. But give Memphis credit. They took that momentum that they had on Friday, winning the tough game on the road at Golden State. Uh, they carried that uh, attitude into uh, last Sunday night's uh, game one win against Utah. As you mentioned, um, Dylan Brooks w- was the man. Uh, John Morant, um, he was fearless in his first playoff game. 
Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., he only had seven points, but he brought the energy, he brought the fight. And Kyle Anderson, who had some big buckets uh, last Friday in, in that uh, win over Golden State, he, he, he continued with that same energy in 31 minutes of action. He had 14 points to go along with four rebounds, including five or ten shooting from the field. Uh, it's those uh, unsung heroes, as we mentioned, Lakina, at this time of year, your superstars set the tone for those unsung heroes that come through for you. Yeah, the Valens had 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 15, I should say. So mm-hmm. just, a, just a great performance by that whole starting five there. And I think... Look, Even though he was in foul trouble again, he still yeah, has some nice stats. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was definitely in foul trouble too. So, you know, just you know, as, as for Utah, I, I mean, look, you hope that this whole thing with Donovan Mitchell isn't, you know, it seems like they're, he, pra- he did practice for a couple, you know, a couple of days prior to Sunday night's game, but apparently mm-hmm. he was still like a late scratch. So... I, look, he put a tweet out saying, that, look, I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping I'll be able to play um, tonight. But I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, like, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? Hopefully uh, that issue gets handled behind closed doors and nipped in the bud. If Donovan Mitchell's not out there for game two, it's going to be a problem for Utah. As we saw in game one, uh, Utah still had a chance to win that game at the end. They struggled shooting early, but they got back in the ball game late and they made a game out of it. But if Donovan Mitchell is not out there, there's no way Utah is going to win this series. If you give a team like Memphis, who um, many people didn't expect to be there, you give that team more confidence, uh, it's going to be trouble. So if Donovan Mitchell is not out there out there for game two, uh, there's going to be hell to pay in Utah. Yeah, and look, you, uh, Mike Conley Jr. had 22 to add to Donovan's 29. Excuse me, Rudy Gobert needs to step up too. Yeah, he had 11 and 10. 11 and 15, but again, you know, foul trouble was an issue for him. So you hope that maybe he can avoid that in game two. But like you said, Sid, I mean, I'm not, look, hopefully Donovan Mitchell will be able to play because like you said, if not, this could be a long series for Utah and not in a good way, not in the literal sense. <laughs> That's just, it's not going to be a, a good situation or, or a long series in uh, for Utah if Donovan Mitchell's not back out there. You're listening to Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee and Sydney Browns. We continue to uh, review, uh, as we wrap up reviewing the, the weekend's action for the opening round of the playoffs. As uh, we record this uh, episode for you today is Tuesday. For those of you listening to us on Tuesday, we'll give you the uh, schedule for um, for the for this coming week's games in the NBA playoffs, uh, starting with tonight's game, which is Tuesday. Uh, game two of the Boston-Brooklyn Nets series will take place from Brooklyn's Barclays Center. That's on TNT tonight at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's followed by game two of the Lakers and Suns series, uh, and that's on uh, TNT. And, of course, on NBA TV late at 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we'll have the Dallas Mavericks uh, uh, facing off against the Los Angeles Clippers from Staples Center. Uh, the Mavericks lead that series one game to none. On Wednesday, which is tomorrow, for those of you who want to be listening to this, um, Washington and Philly, game two of that mm-hmm. series. We'll see if you know, Washington will be able to bounce back. We'll see if New York, after that, we'll see if that's going to be a TV game, I should also mm-hmm. say. Atlanta and New York, we'll see if the Knicks can tie it up. That's a TNT game. Memphis and Trey Young's gonna get booed big time. Yeah, oh, no <laughs> doubt. And we'll and speaking of Donovan Mitchell, we'll see that Donovan Mitchell is back, you know, for game two as they would tr- that the Jazz, the Jazz will try to even their series with Memphis as a nine o'clock start on TNT. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Thursday's action at six thirty p.m. on TNT. We'll have the Bucks and Heat game three uh, from um, the American Airlines Arena down there in South Beach, Florida. 
At 9 o'clock on TNT, we'll have Game 3 between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA TV game of the night at 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time will be Game 3 between the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers as that series shifts to the great Pacific Northwest. What's your real quick though? What's your opinion? Because Turner is making their their folks come in from to Atlanta to do the games instead of remotely instead of doing it in their respective cities. What do you think about that? Because some people kind of have issue with it. I say, look, if you remember those soccer those soccer matches from back in the day on ESPN, those guys were not in um, Europe. The <laughs> telecast broadcasting mm-hmm. those games. They have technology there to kind of help you know, bring it to you as if they were there. So, and plus we're still in the pandemic folks. So like for people who are saying mm-hmm. that, Oh my God, they're like, they're in Atlanta. They're not like in these cities. Look, look, I, look, I saw that game last night between Atlanta and New York. And look, I know Spiro Diaz, you know, and Greg Anthony were not there. They were in Atlanta, but look, mm-hmm. it, it was like they were there. I mean, look, I don't have an issue with that. They, people should just, look, this is going to be the thing for probably the rest of the playoffs. So I think folks need to just mm-hmm. chill on that. Yeah, I know some of the ESPN announcers were uh, there at the sites of some of these games over the weekend. Several studios, I'm sure the announcers want to be there live themselves as we let more fans back in as the research is starting to loosen a a bit. But if Turner's policy is you're not traveling to those sites, that's the policy. Yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah, that was exactly all right, back to the games for Friday to begin the Memorial Memorial Day weekend. New York and Atlanta, that's, that goes to Atlanta. We'll see how the series is when it gets to that point on Friday. Also, Brooklyn and Boston, that'll be, that's an ABC matchup. Prime time at 7.30. The 6 o'clock, that's the 6 o'clock game in Atlanta um, as they host New York. That's ESPN, uh, part one of the ESPN doubleheader. And the second part of the doubleheader will be the Clippers and Dallas. PG, you better show up. That's all I'm going to say. That's an 830 game in Dallas at ESPN. So check those games out. All right. Uh, We're heading down the home stretch of uh, this current episode of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, I'll turn it over to you um, as we now talk about golf. Uh, The PGA Championships uh, took place uh, last weekend from South Carolina. Phil Mickelson was the oldest player to win that tournament at age 50. Tell us about it. Yeah, he surpasses you know Julius Boros, who won the the PGA Championship at sixty eight at the age of forty eight. He's you know now you know lefty is now the oldest. This is sixth major, his second PGA Championship. He's the fourth golfer in history to win in four different decades. <laughs> Get ready to feel old, folks. He, he joins Sam Snead, Raymond Floyd, and Davis Love the third. Um, he entered the week 115th in the official world golf rankings. That's the most, that's the lowest ever by any major champion. Sean McKeel did it back in the 03 championship when he won that. It was just an amazing, just, it was crazy, you know, like the, the emotions. You know, you thought that, look, look, watching Mickelson play in the final round is always going to be an adventure. You're going to, you're going to, he's going to do some, you know, throw some crazy shots. He's going to do some crazy shots. But like that shot on 16, when it went, it's like that deep rough. I mean, that was that, and you know, he went in the, and then he went in the water again at 16 at third. Well, that was 13 that he went to the, the rough, but uh, it, it was just, it, it was just insane. You know, the crowd was, I was a little afraid for him. Like when all the crowds started, you know, gathering around him on 18, like, okay, y'all, <laughs> come on guys, get out of the, if you got the man three, you have to finish. But it was, it was, it was such a great moment. I mean, you know, he had, his um his younger brother Tim, who has been his caddy the last couple of years, I heard um he he didn't um Tim did an interview um on ESPN Chicago, and he said, look look the emotions he he you know he's more centered now. Phil is, I think he actually I'll, I'll try 
to bring the tweet up. But he actually, he's a great follow on Twitter, uh, Phil is. And just that, you know, he actually wrote something on Twitter just a little over a week ago when, before all this happened. I want to get to make sure I get it right. Okay, I got it right here. I failed many times in my life and career. And because of this, I've learned a lot. Instead of feeling defeated countless times, I've used it as fuel to drive me to work harder. So today, join me in accepting our failures. Let's use them to motivate us to work even harder. So, I mean, look, you probably say that kind of talks of, that sort of covers his career in a nutshell. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's, just, it's, just, it's just insane the fact that you, know, you saw, look, you saw Tiger's, you know, tweets from like guys like Tiger and Justin Thomas, who won this a couple of years ago. Ian Royce Kepler, who's got, who had two of these. Actually, let's give him some credits for you know, finishing his second after coming back from knee surgery just two months ago. Though, though he wasn't very happy with the crowds being around him. I think he said one of like, he like pat him on the knee and the surgical repair knee. He wasn't mm-hmm. very happy about that. But I, I mean, you know, slightly unnerving, but exceptionally awesome, which you can probably say that about Phil's career too, as well as those moments mm-hmm. when, he, when he won the tournament. So I know you, I know you didn't watch it. So I know you just watched the highs, but what, well, how do you feel about it? I just get the impression. I know there's, there's been a tag on Phil's career that, uh, he 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 comes up short in 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 major tournaments. I know he won his first Masters a few years ago, and th- just the feeling that I get that uh, okay he, okay that Mickelson finally won his uh, first Masters a few years ago. I, I get the feeling that some people still want to hang that that narrative on him that he chokes in big situations, and of course he did what he had to do in the PGA Championships last Sunday. Can we maybe it's just me, Lakina, but can we finally get rid of that? a stigma that Phil Mickelson chokes under pressure in, in major tournaments. Uh, yeah, Can we? Would, yes, please. Yes. I, I think we, I think seriously. We, hopefully, <laughs> what more does he have to do with some of you people? Yeah. I mean, look, he just turned 50 about it. You know, he's going to be 51. Um, in, in a few weeks, but yeah, I mean, look, can we get rid of that now? The fact that he was able to do that, he was actually able to hang on to, you know, in spite of everything. That course was a very difficult course at Ocean course in Kiwa mm-hmm. Island in South Carolina, like you said, Sid. And it, it's just amazing to me that, you know, he was able to do this, you know, at age 50. You, you mm-hmm. know, we, look, we were very young, but we remember what happened, you know, with Jack Nicholas when he won the Masters at 86 when yeah. he was 46. And he wasn't even the oldest. So, you know, that just, just shows you how crazy it is. The old Tom Morris from, like, 18, like, 38 or something. I know they I guess they didn't have more. That's, that's why our buddy, Jude, our, our good friend, Julia Carroll, said, wait, why did they call him, call him old Tom? Like, if you saw how he looked you know, at age 46, you kind of know why they called him mm. old Tom. But, yeah, and look, I know, <laughs> and look, I know that the, you know, the U.S. Open is going to be coming up, you know, in about a month at Torrey Pines, which is his Phil's um, home course. He, didn't, he doesn't have to, have mm-hmm. to qualify anymore now that he's won the PGA Championship. Hopefully there won't be no pressure on him to try to win the U.S. Open. But I think he realized that even at, at age 50, I think that this might be his last shot at maybe perhaps getting that Grand Slam, that illustrious Grand Slam. So... And, and look, I'm, I'm glad he's still playing at a very high level at age 50. I mean, he, look, mm-hmm. you turn 50, you, you go to the Champions Tour, you know, play some tournaments. He actually has actually has a big-time Champions uh, Tour uh, the tour uh, title. You know, he won a couple mm-hmm. of months ago, uh, like late last year. So, yeah, I mean, look, why not? Sky's living for Phil. Why not? Why not? Why not have him go for the Grand Slam? Why not? Yeah, why not? And hopefully, even if he comes so short with having that, quote-unquote, Tiger Grand Slam and what have you, uh, it doesn't define his career. As I said before, uh, he finally got off the hook with winning his first Masters a few years ago. I know he's won a couple other big tournaments as well, but what he did last Sunday, can you just leave the man alone? That's all I'm asking. Just leave the man alone. And let's not 
compare what happened with the you attire know, a couple of years ago at the Masters to what happened here, those are two completely different different tournaments, different situations. Look, we're, this is post-pandemic, you know, slowly post-pandemic, so it, it's not going to touch, you know, what happened with Tiger a couple of years ago, that crowd. But, look, it was pretty close over there in South, in South Carolina. Exactly. Let's move on, Lakina. We have a couple more uh, topics to get to. Uh, let's, uh, we're going to spend some more time on this, uh, the National Football League. As we said before, Lakina, it never seems to amaze me that the NFL doesn't like to hear and uh, see their names in the press, especially at this time of year. I'm not going to say it was a setup, but trust me, the folks in the, uh, in the higher-ups, including your commissioner, Roger Goodell, the NFL likes to hear their names in the news, especially during the offseason. And one of what I'm referring to, Star wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, Julio Jones. Of course, he has three years remaining on his current contract. He signed it a couple of years ago, had a $60 million check before the opening game uh, back in 2019. And that's the current contract he's playing under right now. Mm-hmm. He's going to make, I believe, $15.5 million this year and then 11 and a half, I believe, the next two years. Mm-hmm. He wants out of Atlanta. He called, uh, actually, Shannon Sharp of Fox Sports and uh, FS1's uh, Undisputed, they're that debate show with Skip Bayless and Jenny Tapp. Uh, during Monday's episode, Shannon Sharp uh, dared to call uh, Julio Jones on air, actually did it and got it done. For those of you who haven't seen or heard it, you can look for it, especially right here on YouTube. And um, he and Shannon Sharp dared to ask Julio Jones, is he done in Atlanta? And, and Julio simply said, in quote, I'm out of here. And of course, uh, there's pictures going around social media that uh, Julio Jones uh, wore a Dallas Cowboys uh, hoodie. He's training with co- former college teammate Amari Cooper, who's currently playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, this does uh, lead speculation that it's only a minute of time before Julio Jones is uh, traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, the Atlanta Falcons are looking for at least one first-round pick in return. Uh, I know for those of you that are watching and listening to us here in Chicago, <laughs> let me say this right now. Julio Jones will not play for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> let me say it one more again for both of those of you in the back of the bus. Julio Jones will not play for the Chicago Bears. Got it? Good. <laughs> I'll hand it over to you, Lakina. I, I just, you know, I, I'm, trying, I'm still trying to figure out, like, was Julio in on the bit, or did he not know that this was going to be, he was talking to the Shannon, and he didn't think they was, they, that they were, he wasn't doing his show, that they were, you know, taping, this is a live taping, so, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, flabbergasted as if that, you know, wait, did he know, was he in on the bits, Either, did he know this was going to be recorded, this was going to be, like, in front of everybody? I had questions about that, too. <laughs> it, it's sort of, like, one of those things where you're, like, okay, I find this hard to believe, I'm sure, look, they know each other, so I'm sure Julio knows that Shan does his show about the time that he called him. So I'm trying to, I'm mm-hmm. still like figuring out like how did he not know that this was going to be a recording and that folks were going to be talking about, unless it was all intentional and it was all planned. I don't know. Like, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you, you can't, you, your, your mind wanders <laughs> in that direction. But, mm-hmm. but even, but even still, I mean, look, we've heard about this, this is even before the NFL draft. I mean, there were, there were rumors that came out that, you know, they may, they got a new coach, the coach staff in Atlanta. They may not, they probably want to wipe the state clean and start over. I mean, there was the rumors mm-hmm. on maybe perhaps maybe Matt Ryan might be, might, they, might, they might try to trade him and try to get something from him. So for him, so like, I, I honestly don't, don't know like what they're going to do. I mean, let's think about it. I know Dallas, cause you know, Amari Cooper, you know, their teammates from Alabama, 
you know, maybe they, they might reunite, but again, he wants to go to contender. Now, Dallas is sort of like, they're kind of right there. We'll see how D- Dak Prescott is when he comes back from his injury. We'll see how he looks. I've heard some people say maybe, maybe Arizona, perhaps. I mean, that they're, they're, they're primed to win now. Maybe Baltimore, yeah. maybe Buffalo, depending on their cap situation is. Um, you know, if they, if, he, if they do stay like in the, in the NFC, maybe Los Angeles, if they got some room. Maybe Green Bay, you know, that might. That I was might... going to say Green Bay, but they, uh, I, even though I think they're still going to keep Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think they have salary cap issues too. So I don't know how they're going to work that out if, if you're trying to make Rodgers happy by bringing in Julio Jones but, because the Packers are still in win-now mode. Uh, do the Seattle Seahawks consider acquiring him? Him and uh, DK Metcalf, that wouldn't be a bad tandem. No, not at all. That'd be a very dangerous channel. Also, too. They'll shut up Russell Wilson for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I mean, look, we haven't heard from him in a minute about this. Oh, the Patriots. Some people said the Patriots, but are they in like in a win now mode? I don't think they are. I'm sure. I'm sure Belichick wants. I to think they there. are, but they're not. They're not. At least on paper, they're not as dominant as they were in years past. Let's no. just put it that way. I know they brought Cam Newton back, and we, as you mentioned before, you have all those defensive players uh, uh, that are coming back that opted out of the last season because of COVID concerns. But do you really think they're Super Bowl contenders? I don't think so. They may be in, in, for a playoff spot, but I don't think they're they're not that team that everybody fears anymore. What about they could ball? use them, but. Uh, you, as you know as well as I do, Lakina, and especially head coach Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick, as we call him on this show, mm-hmm. uh, when you turn the age of 30 in the NFL, that's senior citizens' age, and Bill Belichick believes in that philosophy. And, also, and I don't know the if they want to dump all that money on uh, aging wide receiver. Especially about say wide receiver. Also, what, what about Baltimore? I know they've got some various cap issues, because maybe they've tried to make that work in Baltimore. That sure you, know, mm-hmm. you can always get you know some guys to throw to, and that that way Lamar wouldn't have to depend on his legs so much. Yeah, that'll be a good spot. He likes to have a number one wide receiver. It's not Hollywood Brown, folks. Stop it. No, he's not. It's, he's not there yet. <laughs> he's not there yet. Um, I'm trying to think like who else. Um, May the 49ers, I mean, look, we all look, look, John Lynch has a way of, you know, maneuvering things. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps, maybe the 49ers, do you, do you see, do you see anybody else? Do you think they probably a good fit? I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, not Philadelphia, they're in a youth movement, the New York Giants, they're trash, so no. The Washington football team, no. Uh, <laughs> Arizona may be a possibility. You have Kyler Murray there. Going into year three out of DeAndre, Oklahoma, he and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, that's a pretty that that's pretty not a bad tandem. Yeah, I think they're they're the favorite right now. I know everybody talked about Dallas, but they need to fix their, um, they got their defense issues. Yeah, it, exactly. And you paying Amari Cooper, his former college teammate, twenty one and a half million dollars, which they signed uh, to a contract with them a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Arizona by default is in a clubhouse. Oh, Jacksonville, no. Mm-mm. Houston, no. Pittsburgh, no. Cleveland, no. What about Minnesota? Yeah, you got Sean Jeff, uh, not, uh, Justin Jefferson. Justin I'm Jefferson. sorry, for, uh, <laughs> going into you two out of uh, Arizona. Uh, no, I know you have it. Adam Thielen. Uh, Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. He could work there, but I don't, I don't know about Minnesota's cap situation. Uh, he could be a fit there, but like I said, I don't know about that cap situation. I thought about this, but I don't know about their what about their cap. I'm sure Frank Wright would love to have them in Indianapolis. They're in win Whoa, now. They're in good win, call. They're mm. in win now mode. They're in win now mode. Yeah. I, I don't know what yeah. their I don't know what their cap cap situation is, but 
Look, I think I'm sure. Look, I, 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 I know that money's tied up to Carson Wentz for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure Wentz would love to have part someone. Of it. Love would have you know him to throw to. So mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton, him and T and T.Y. Hilton, maybe you know, also two former yeah. Alabama guy. I, I don't like I don't. I don't know. I mean, look, look. If you're one of these teams, like, do you have? Do you want to give up a first round pick for a 30 year old wide receiver? Who's even been injured the last couple of years? Especially if you are in win now mode. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't see the Rams. I don't. Uh, I, I don't see them. Cap issues. Yeah, like I said, Seattle maybe, but I don't know if they're gonna pull the trigger. If you're Atlanta, obviously you're not going to trade them within a division. So no for Tampa Bay, no for New Orleans, no for Carolina. So Sorry, that, that's out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. So are you going to if you're going to trade them, you're going to trade. Obviously, you're going to trade them out of the division. Do you trade within the conference, or are you just are you going to uh, try to trade them to the AFC? Like I said, we just mentioned our majority of the teams in the AFC. Uh, realistically, uh, Buffalo. But you you're gonna have to resign Josh Allen in a couple yeah. of years. So that you have you have you have cap issues there. Um, Not I, the Jets. I don't know. see it. He's gonna want to look. I said like he even said himself. He's gonna want to go a contender. I would say exactly. Maybe, maybe the Raiders. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't <laughs> they could know. use them, but. Uh, <laughs> your your face. If, if, if look, if people who are who are listening can only see can see Sid's face right now. Perplexity. It's just it's crazy. I would say Kansas yeah. City, but there's no they they don't have room for him. So I don't exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to want to go to a place where he can actually be productive and can start. So I don't know. Like, look, this, I, we'll see. I don't know. We say no to Denver. No, no. Uh, the Chargers, they could use them. Maybe. They they, got new, they got new I don't know what song. that cat situation is. They could use him, but does he really want to go there? Yeah, that's that's going to be the thing. He's going to want to go. Are the Chargers in the win now mode? No, they're not. They're good like one or two years away, especially now that they have a new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So we just about named just about all the teams that they have seen. Maybe a couple of teams. That's about it. Yeah. Maybe two to three teams. Yeah. Realistically, I mean, they could I use mean, the services. Yeah, I mean Tennessee. I mean, do, do, do you think do, do you think he fits that no. offense? I don't think so. They got a new no. OC, so I don't think I don't think is yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he would work in Tennessee. So yeah, yeah they could use him, but it's all about Derrick Henry. Yeah. So the, the, I I don't I honestly don't know. We like, like we mentioned pretty much every team in the in the NFL. So, yeah. <laughs> like there's there's not a lot of good fits. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's only the beginning of this saga. And so we'll see what happens in the coming days, weeks, and perhaps months ahead before training camp opens in late July. Lakina, let's end this uh, episode with some good news. Of course, you guys know that I'm a huge Sox, White Sox fan going back to baseball. Of course, things are starting to open back up a little bit more uh, across the country, not just in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, but uh, across the country. The White Sox are uh, 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 Put their tickets for for their home games from May 24th until June 16th, which has 60% capacity. Those tickets went on sale this past Saturday afternoon. Yours truly is going back home where I belong. As I said, I was ready all this time to go back to Sox Park to catch a game. <laughs> Yours truly will do that uh, next weekend in the series uh, between the Baltimore Orioles and the Chicago White Sox. Yours truly will be attending the game next Saturday and next Sunday afternoon as part of Memorial Day weekend. I cannot wait to go back. 
Uh, of course, you can follow your truly on social media. I'll, I'll have all the pictures and plus some sights and sounds for sure. I cannot wait to go back. Looking at the last game I attended was back on August 25th, uh, 2019. Uh, it's been too long. Your truly is going back home where I belong as we try to get back to normal, not just in our daily lives, but uh, watching and covering sports as well. So your truly will be in the stands Next Saturday, next this coming Saturday, this coming Sunday, it's part of Memorial Day weekend. This the White Sox take on the Baltimore Orioles. So I am happy as hell. I was so happy to purchase those tickets as we try to get back to normal. I I, I cannot wait. I am I mean it's almost like open up a gift on Christmas Day. <laughs> and as we said before, as we started to get sports back uh, uh, around this time last year, even though there were no fans in the stands. It's like uh, being put on punishment. You met your requirements and then some, now you start to get stuff back. And that's what it feels like right now. I know it's an extreme analogy, but <laughs> that's what it is right now that I'm feeling. Even though personally I didn't do anything wrong, it, it's sort of like you, you're starting to get some stuff back, including sports. We talked about it for the last couple of weeks. Looking at concerts are starting to happen now. Uh, festivals, some have been postponed for precautionary reasons, reasons but other festivals are coming back, not just here in Chicago in the state of Illinois, but all across the country as well as we started to reopen back up. Uh, as we said before, we're not going to tell you to or not to get the vaccine. That, those decisions are up to you. Just take care of yourself and be mindful of others around you. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, look, I, I congratulations, Sid, you'll be able to go back to the, go back to the park. Mm -hmm. And I, look, I see, you know, the joy in people's faces, you know, watching mm -hmm. these games, you know, all, all, not just yes. you know, the base, not just in baseball, but also to the playoffs. And also to we saw on Sunday, mm -hmm. the PGA championship, seeing all those crowds there. It was just you know, yes. spectacular. And look, I, I like the fact that we're doing, like, you know, some places, most places are doing it slowly, others are not. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's, you know, that that's their decision. And, and look, I think people need to remember, I, I, look, I know that LeBron got in a little bit of trouble over the weekend. You know, he went to a tequila, a tequila party, you know, to celebrate one of his business ventures. Mm -hmm. And I guess he didn't go there without a mask. He didn't follow mm -hmm. protocols. And, and, and I know people are wondering, like, is he, did he get vaccinated or whatever? I know Dennis Schroeder kind of let, you know, let the cat out of the bag that he did not get vaccinated. But look, I, at, th at this point, I'm thinking, look, if he wants to get vaccinated, you know, that, that's his choice. If he doesn't, mm -hmm. again, that's his choice too. I think people should not mm -hmm. stop trying to shame people who don't want to get vaccinated. I think we've been saying this for like the last month, Sid, and I think people need to stop mm -hmm. it. Yep, I agree. If the choice is up to you. That shot is going into your arm, not anybody else's arm. And you make that decision for yourself, not for anybody else. Absolutely. So I'm sure LeBron, I'm sure others are going to be using that decision too. So let, let's just leave that alone. And let's ask for the, you know, so yeah. I'm happy for you. And then look, MetLife Stadium, Met I just saw that they're going to be at full capacity at the start of the season. There's going to be some, I think Stephen Hall is supposed to have their graduation, but they're, they're keeping their distance. So it's not going to be full mm -hmm. capacity. So I think you're know, doing it slowly. Like other, most states have done. I think it's probably the best way to go. I think. And as we said before, like Kenny, even last year when baseball uh, kicked off their shortened 60-game schedule, baseball is always the forefront in terms of uh, getting the nation, uh, the United States of America, back to help get back to normal. So we saw that in 9-11. We saw that last year. We, we're looking at it now as we slowly try to get out of this pandemic. Uh, most of these uh, Major League Baseball stadiums will be at full capacity. I said, I said early this year that we should be at full capacity. I predicted by the All-Star break, which is in July. It looks like it, it may meet that goal 
and hopefully we don't have any more setbacks, which I don't think we will. I'm just constantly optimistic, but it seems like we're heading in the right direction, especially for the Sox and for the Sox fans like myself here in Chicago. We are able to uh, attend these games. You know where to go to get Sox tickets. We won't say it here. You know where to go get So purchase your tickets as the homestand for between starting uh, now through June 16th. Uh, it's at 60% capacity. You, you can go uh, purchase Sox tickets. I know the Cubs, for you Cubs fans that are listening and watching us, uh, they're opening up at 60% capacity as well. You can go see the Cubs now. And, of course, the state of Illinois is supposed to reopen on Friday, uh, June 11th, along with the city of Chicago, hopefully. So things are getting back to normal, and, and what a way to kick off summer as we uh, head towards Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll the unofficial talk- start of summer. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, you know, folks going to be having these hot vac summers. Oh, boy, this is going to be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And on that note, (laughs) you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Uh, videos will drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos will drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch our podcast version every Tuesday and every Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, the audio version every Tuesday, every Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms. You know them by now. Just type in the search engine box W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com for more details. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Yes, and thank you very much for your support. For Sid, I'm Lakina. Stay cool out there, guys. Also, stay warm, too, so it's going to be cooler after Wednesday. (laughs) Enjoy the games, everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, stay safe, you know. Wash your hands, wear your mask if you're not going to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going to get vaccinated, you still want to wear a mask. Hey, feel free. Live your life. For Sid, I'm Lakian. This is Second Seed Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you this weekend. Till next time, go Sox. Holla! <laughs>